feels like everything I did, everything we did, none of it mattered. Once again, Thomas Anderson is consumed by the growing sense that something is wrong, meets a mysterious man named Morpheus, leaves his old world behind, and finds love with the fearless Trinity. Sound familiar? The Matrix Resurrections, the sequel released 18 years after the last film in the Matrix series, mirrors the story of the first Matrix, even concluding with nearly identical shots. But the repetition is the point. Resurrections thoroughly interrogates the original film and its legacy. It asks whether anything has improved as a result of the Matrix's message to free your mind, or if the mind control in our actual world has just gotten worse. And it makes a few key corrections or clarifications, like walking back from some of the binaries that may have been overemphasized in the originals. They believed that it had to be us or them. It also tackles what's been termed Trinity Syndrome by Tasha Robinson, the critique that as a strong female character, Trinity appeared very exciting but spent most of the narrative assisting a male protagonist's character development. Here, it's Trinity who gets to make the crucial choice, and by the end, even displays more characteristics of the one than Neo. I'm not doing this. Are you doing this? Ultimately, Resurrections is a romance above all. Here's the Matrix Resurrections ending explained, and how this story has always been about love conquering all. There's a part of me that feels like I have been waiting my whole life for you. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get notified about all our new videos. This video is brought to you guys by Mubi. We love Mubi so genuinely, it is a key part of our lives. Mubi is such an incredible platform. It has wonderful movies and interesting conversations around those movies. Mubi always picks something that's interesting, that's quality. I crave that curation today. You feel like you've actually taken in something substantial and then you think about it, you dream about it, it stays in your head. They have great taste. It's something for everybody. If you want to know about the world and culture and what's really fun and worth watching, check out Mubi. Right now, Mubi is offering our viewers 30 days free. Just click the link in the description below to start streaming now. Thank you, Mubi, for supporting The Take and for helping us bring these videos to you. Turns out in my matrix, the worse we treat you, the more we manipulate you, the more energy you produce. The original Matrix trilogy ends with Neo ending the war and offering humanity the chance to free itself. But in Resurrections, 60 years later, after the resulting energy crisis caused a machine civil war, the machines have once again enslaved humans for energy and controlled their minds. And the people inside the Matrix are more pliable and obedient than ever. Sometimes it feels like people gave up, like the Matrix won. Even Neo and Trinity have been resurrected by the machines and plugged back into the Matrix. Neo believes he is Thomas Anderson, an extraordinarily successful game designer responsible for the Matrix. And Trinity believes herself to be a woman named Tiffany, 
a mother and wife to a guy named Chad. It sounds like a reference to the meme in the incel community of a handsome guy who's popular with women, but it also refers to the fact that he's played by Chad Stahelski, Keanu Reeves' stunt double from the original Matrix. This new Matrix was designed by The Analyst, the successor to The Architect, who's much more skillful at exploiting human feelings and subtler, less overt forms of violence. His Matrix was all fussy facts and equations. He hated the human mind. So he never bothered to realize that you don't give a shit about facts. It's all about fiction. This resurrected Matrix reflects fears that many things have gotten worse in our society. The Matrix is the same or worse. And the movie is more detailed than ever in illustrating how the illusory world we focus on every day is a lot like The Matrix. Neo has achieved everything our Matrix says we're supposed to pursue, but like many who find similar success in our world, he just finds himself working more hours and not really knowing what the end goal is. A lot of hours. Most times, I don't know. To most of us, being a successful programmer in a big city doesn't sound so bad, but that just reveals how we are buying into many of the Matrix itself's premises. So what's it like being a world-famous game designer must be amazing. That being wealthy, famous, and admired is what matters, even if you feel alone, unconscious, numb, and without purpose. When Neo eats a juicy steak by himself, it's a direct callback to the cowardly materialist cipher. Trinity's plot illustrates how the Matrix exerts mind control pressure on women through ingrained ideas about what it means to be a good wife and mother, and therefore a good woman. The pressure of gender expectations making Trinity feel she should have a family makes it difficult for her to even access what she actually wants. I remember wanting a family, but was that because that's what women are supposed to want? How do you know if you want something yourself or if your upbringing programmed you to want it? And the demands of being a mother in a society that continues to put so much of the child-rearing load on women leaves her too tired to think about much else. I should get more therapy, but honestly, I'm too goddamn tired. <laughs> Kids are exhausting, you know? Because it's a choice she never truly made. Her traditional family is her prison that inevitably takes over her life and produces noise whenever she approaches the truth. I have to take this. Hi, this is Tiff. Oh, God, no. <sighs> I'll be right there. My, uh, my youngest stuck a Lego up his nose. Come on, we gotta go. Tiff. Hey, don't know what's going on here, but I'm glad we found you. She got hit by a car. I know, it's crazy. She was chasing after you. And by the end of the film, it's very clear how intentionally her family has been weaponized against her. children. Prescription drugs are literally equated to blue pills, and the mental health complex is shown to control Neo by falsely making him feel there's something deeply wrong with him. Far from suggesting a repeat of your initial breakdown, I believe this episode demonstrates healthy self-protection. Do you need to refill on your prescription? It's a plot that alludes to how the pharmaceutical industry has influenced the exploding numbers of mental health diagnoses in recent years. And whether it's through making Trinity feel like a bad mom or making Neo feel his supposed mental illness is a danger to other people, the analyst is constantly using this society's conventional morality to guilt them into miserable compliance. No longer the young, unattached rebels they were in the originals, this Thomas Anderson and Tiffany believe they have responsibilities. Just as when we get older, we may find more and more reasons why it's not realistic to live the life we truly want. It's too late. 
Like the other people still trapped in the Matrix, Neo and Trinity allowed themselves to become distracted because it was easier than being vulnerable and trying to find each other. At some point, I think I gave up searching for something real. After all these years, to be going back to where it all started. Back to the Matrix. Resurrections goes out of its way to constantly evoke and imitate the original trilogy, from big moments like the Red Pill Theater and the sparring match between Neo and Morpheus, down to the way scenes are framed and numerous actual clips that play or are intercut with new characters to tell us their relationships to the original ones. The main difference is that whereas in the first film, he and we had to learn what the Matrix is, in this world, people are constantly explaining the Matrix to him. So instead of being a dangerous, almost unutterable secret, the concept of the Matrix becomes banal, an entertainment and critique that can exist happily within the actual Matrix. Neo is forced by parent company Warner Brothers to think of a sequel to the Matrix, a somewhat autobiographical plot that alludes to how writer-director Lana Wachowski repeatedly refused to make this sequel before finally agreeing. The other creator of the original Matrix, Lily Wachowski, declined to be involved. Neo is miserable, literally trapped by his own success, drugged up on blue pills by corporate overlords who demand art that is both new and unsurprising. Inside, you'll find the breakdown, including key word association with the brand. The top two being originality and fresh. In interviews, Lana Wachowski describes Hollywood's need for sequels as hostile to originality. Artistically speaking, stories need an end to achieve completeness and meaning. But commerce demands that stories never end, as long as they can still be sold. As you begin working on Matrix 4, and who knows how many more? Like Lana Wachowski must have, Neo contends with a multitude of commercial voices telling him what the Matrix sequel should be. Just as the original trilogy was torn between heady philosophical insights and blockbuster violent spectacle, we hear a debate between those who argue people have always really come for the cars and guns. I like my games big, loud, and dumb. We need guns. Lots of guns. And those who argue the highbrow thought is the actual brand. Mindless action is not on brand. She's right. Matrix is mind born. Ideas are the new sexy. Through this self-referential humor, the early part of the movie digs into the thorny question of whether revisiting a beloved classic like The Matrix even can be more than a cynical cash grab. This cannot be another reboot, retread, regurgitate. Why not? Reboot sell. With The Matrix specifically, this question is even more salient because it's about escaping a world that looks very much like modern, capitalist, technology-saturated life. Thus, rebooting the franchise to simply make money is about as counter to The Matrix's central message as you can get. Even the fandom of The Matrix and positive dialogue about its legacy feel oppressive to Neo. The first time I played the trilogy, I was shook. Neo's handler, Jude, and Neo's other co-workers repeatedly tell him, and implicitly Lana Wachowski, what the story actually means, covering almost all the major popular readings of the film that we ourselves have discussed in videos. Obviously, The Matrix is about trans politics. Crypto-fascism. It's a metaphor. Of capitalist exploitation. Most of these readings have convincing elements, but here, The Matrix Resurrections is making the point that declaring The Matrix to be only one of those things is reductive. Focusing too much on any single explanation is a trap wielded effectively by the analyst, who keeps Neo under control by offering him neat and tidy stories that explain away the odd things Neo notices. Your sublimated anger toward your business partner cast him as your nemesis. 
A married woman named Tiffany became the trinity of a doomed romance. And as we saw in the original, a key to getting freed from the Matrix is to look into the strange things you notice that feel off. Still, however much the earlier scenes express some mocking and resentment about the need to make a sequel at all, The Matrix Resurrections does exist, and the film ultimately repudiates its most cynical impulses, embracing the generation that grew up with the original. He may hate the focus groups, but Neo learns from his true fans. He bonds with and relies on the people who have come after and been inspired by him. There's a lot of people out there like me who are a little bit obsessed with your life. It's no coincidence that the film opens with Matrix superfan Bugs, who ends up becoming a key part of the story and helping the original Neo and Trinity find their way back to themselves, something that wouldn't have been possible without her nerdy obsession. Since it's absurd to think returning to the Matrix could ever be as powerfully original as the first film, the movie goes the opposite way and digs deeper into an ongoing dialogue about itself. Nothing comforts anxiety like a little nostalgia. I wasn't too sure about the callback, but you know, it's just hard to resist. And a major focus is how the next generation who grew up with these stories about Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus will implement its messages in their world. At the same time, The Matrix Resurrections is subtly correcting or clarifying a couple aspects of its narrative. It makes the point that binaries, which define The Matrix for many of us in the ones and zeros of binary code, the battle between humans and machines, or the way you're either in The Matrix or against it, are ultimately reductive and don't hold up. When somebody offered me these things, I went off of binary conceptions of the world. And the woman with the pills laughed because I was missing the point. In the new city of Io, humans live side by side with machine synthients, working together on projects neither would be able to do on their own, like reviving agriculture. And Niobe says there really isn't any clear-cut us or them when it comes to humans and machines. This city was built by us and and the movie's new version of Morpheus is a program created by Neo, based on a combination of original Morpheus and Smith. If we look back, the original trilogy had already complicated the binary between humans and machines. The Matrix Revolutions showed programs that have the potential to feel love. Every program that is created must have a purpose. I just have never heard a program speak of love. In Reloaded, Counselor Haman was acutely aware of how even Zion relied on machines. I like to be reminded this city survives because of these machines. These machines are keeping us alive. And from the beginning of The Matrix, there have been hints at the blending between humans and their digital antagonists, as Neo is frequently compared to the agents and Smith. You move like they do. I've never seen anyone move that fast. But Resurrections takes all this further. The character who makes the Matrix heist and the climax of Resurrections possible is a program we met before, the adult Sati, played by Priyanka Chopra Jonas. My father knew we'd meet again, though he would have wished for happier circumstances. The young people we meet who were inspired by the Matrix weren't just shaped by the myth of the One, they were also inspired by Trinity. All I ever wanted was to be as fearless as Trinity. But Trinity's characterization has also garnered criticism over the years. In We're Losing All Our Strong Female Characters to Trinity Syndrome, Tasha Robinson described Trinity Syndrome as the hugely capable woman who never once becomes as independent, significant, and exciting as she is in her introductory scene. In much of The Matrix's narrative, Trinity mostly is either supporting Neo unconditionally or serving as a symbolic motivation for him. You can't be dead because 
it's debatable whether this critique is totally fair when you look at the arc of the original trilogy. In the original Matrix movies, Neo and Trinity save each other repeatedly. Pretty much everyone is there to support Neo, since they believe he's the one. But that doesn't mean Trinity doesn't know her own mind or have her own sense of purpose. I believe if you are really serious about saving him, you are going to need my help. And since I am the ranking officer on this ship, if you don't like it, I believe you can go to hell." And her wisdom, athletics, and understanding of love have always been pretty amazing. But if Resurrections may not exactly be correcting Trinity Syndrome, it's at least trying to clarify that Trinity is just as important to the picture as Neo. At the end, Resurrections reverses the dynamic of the original Matrix. I never believed I was the one, but she did. It's my turn to believe in her. The plot hinges on the attempt to free Trinity from the Matrix, and everything rests on her choice. The most important choice of Neo's life is not his to make. The movie's climax is Neo trying to convince Trinity to remember who she is and come back to him. At one point, Neo could control the laws of nature within the Matrix, but even he can't make another person love him. And it's important that when Trinity initially says no, Neo accepts that. It's too late. I understand. Whereas her Matrix husband, Chad, tries to force her to leave with him. Seeing Neo and Trinity unconscious and alone, to use the analyst's words, reduced to just average people, full of self-doubt and trying to be like everyone else, underlines that it's truly their love that makes them superpowered. Once again, their love conquers everything. But something is different. Now it's Trinity who displays several of the abilities of the One. Like Neo, she can see the code that comprises the Matrix itself. But where Neo's vision was originally presented in stark colors, classic black and green, or a blinding gold light, Trinity sees the code laid on top of the Matrix. She can reject the stark dichotomy of real and unreal, and see both for what they really are. The movies had already complicated the question of whether Neo is the one, and if so, whether that identity is fated or chosen of free will. The prophecy was a lie. The one was never meant to end anything. It was all another system of control. And while the original Matrix suggests that Trinity falling in love with Neo is prophesized because he was already the one, the Oracle told me that I would fall in love and that that man, the man that I loved would be the one. It's also possible to interpret this in a different way. Trinity's love is what makes Neo the one, at least at first. In Resurrections, having been separated from that love, Neo feels less superhuman than ever. He can no longer fly. I don't suppose he can still fly? Yeah, that's not happening. But eventually, they have all the power in the world together. And at last, the ending of the first Matrix film of just Neo being able to fly is updated to show them ascending into the sky as a pair. Even the analyst recognizes the power of their connection, but wants to hoard it and manipulate it for his own ends. Every sim where you two bonded, Let's just say bad things happened. In fact, their relationship and the power of love to conquer death is the reason the Resurrections exist. Lana Wachowski decided to return to the characters of Neo and Trinity as a way of processing personal losses. Many of the younger characters are played by actors from the Wachowski's Netflix series Sense8 that explores many of these themes of love and identity. In Sense8, no one has to be the one because their Sense8, a group of eight people who share experiences and work together, is never truly alone, an experience mirrored by Bugs and Trinity briefly sharing a body. Neo expresses anxiety about returning to his previous role as a hero. 
What if I can't be what I once was? But with the help of Bugs, Sati, and the rest of the Nemesine's crew, he doesn't have to be the one, he can be one of many. The real essence of the Matrix's one story, which mirrors the Christ narrative, is that the most powerful force in our lives is love. Love is the only thing that really matters, the only thing we should never live without. Yet, we're constantly bombarded by influences that tell us it's not a priority. Quietly yearning for what you don't have while dreading losing what you do. For 99.9% .9 of your race, that is the definition of reality. A key reason The Matrix remains in control is that on some level, many people don't want to center love in their lives. The sheeple aren't going anywhere. They like my world. They want to be controlled. They crave the comfort of certainty. But like The Matrix, Resurrections ends with the hope that at least some of us will be inspired to seek something new, something special, and dare to break free of the mental prisons that on some level we can sense are there. We've been given another Matrix movie. What we do with it is up to us. The choice is an illusion. You already know what you have to do. This is The Take on your favorite movie shows and culture. Subscribe so you can watch all of our videos. Thanks again to Mubi for sponsoring this video. As a special gift to our viewers, Mubi is offering 30 days free. Just click the link in the description below to start streaming now. This month, Mubi is streaming a double bill from one of the greatest directors of all time, Federico Fellini. For the perfect night in, watch or rewatch his masterpiece, Knights of Kiberia, starring his wife, Giulietta Messina. And then check out his charming screwball comedy, The White Sheik. If you're anything like me, these days you may be totally uninspired and stuck when it comes to figuring out what to watch next. Subscribing to Mubi completely fixes that. Their team of curators handpicks every film they show, so there's always something new to discover. They seriously love movies as much as we do, so their recommendations are always top-notch. Click the link in the description below to start streaming now.